0: Good morning. We'd like to welcome you to church this morning as we gather together as God's people. Please stand and join us as we sing his praises together.
1: Uh, we gather for worship today and uh, happy that you are here. Those who are here in the sanctuary, those following on so streaming, we're glad to have you as a part of this time of worship today. Before you're seated, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship this morning. I just want to remind you that uh, right after the 11 o'clock service this morning, so in the noonish time, uh, we're inviting you to uh, an all-church picnic. And uh, we'll be meeting in the community room and I suspect probably going outside. But it's, uh, it's a time that the Sunday school de- Children's Sunday School Department is sponsoring. We want to thank uh, our children's teachers and workers and just give thanks to God for the great things that have happened during Sunday School this year. So we want to invite you to join us. Uh, for that uh, potluck time around noon. If you want to come earlier, uh, hang out and uh, visit, probably uh, to play a few games or whatever you want to do uh, as we get ready, but uh, we hope you'll join us uh, for this potluck at noon today. One of the great joys we have as a church is to uh, celebrate the gift of our children and to uh, dedicate them to God, and we have the opportunity to do that again this morning. Brian and Becky, God has blessed you with this little one. And today you come to dedicate God's gift back to Him. You're here today because of your own faith in Jesus Christ. And in this public act of dedication, you're declaring your desire that she would be raised in the love and grace of God within the nurturing spirit of His church. In this act, you're welcoming the prayers and the support of the church and declaring your desire that she would learn early the things of God and that her life would be defined as a lifelong commitment to God that she might receive the promise of eternal life with Christ. But in order that this may be accomplished, it will be your duty as parents to teach her early the fear of the Lord, to watch over her education, that she may not be led astray by false teachings or doctrines, to direct her mind to the authority of of the Holy Scriptures as expressing the will of God for all humanity, and to direct her feet to the sanctuary, to restrain her from evil associates and habits, and as much as possible to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. With the help of the Lord, will you endeavor to do so? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, we read these words. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have Him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, He was indignant, and He said to them, Let the little children come to Me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. What name have you given your child? Isabella Shea. On behalf of your family and this congregation, I dedicate you, Isabella Shea, Maston, to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As I I'd like to mention each time we dedicate our children to God, this is really uh, bringing together a, a three-fold covenant, I sort of see it as a triangle. And God is the base of that, and we know that God is faithful, He is at work in her life. Just in the, the short, brief story we read about Jesus and little children, we see how much God loves children and uh, that He is at work in them. And the one side of the triangle is Brian and Becky and their family, and they've made their commitment to do everything in their power to help uh, Isabella know and gr- the grace of God in her life. But it's also the other side of that is our part that we play. And uh, as a church, we have already been involved in, in Bella's life as uh, God has brought her to Brian and Becky. And as you may, be, may know, they are moving to Florida this summer. Uh, but uh, they will still love our prayers, our concerns. They'll be back here in the summers is the plan. So we'll have an opportunity to love and care for her. Uh, but uh, a, this has been a part of this church for a long time. And I know that uh, many of you have been involved in uh, just nurturing and loving Bella. And so I want to invite you to stand and to uh, officially affirm your commitment to her and to this family. As the Church of Jesus Christ, will you, with the help of God, do everything possible to help Bella know the grace of God in her life? Will you love her? Will you be a godly witness to her? And will you help her know and accept God's grace in her life personally? If so, answer, we will. Father, we thank you today for the gift of children. They are such a blessing. They're part of your wonderful, beautiful plan. And today we thank you for Bella. Thank you for her life. Thank you for the gift that she is to Brian and Becky and their family and to us as a church. And we pray your divine grace upon her today. Even at this young age, may she know how deeply you love her. May she know how much we love her. And we pray that all of her life, she would know who you are. And that she would respond to you in faith and love. That a desire for you would be central to who she is. As she grows and matures, may she always have a heart turned to you. And we pray that you will help us as the church to be a part of that. To nurture her and to, to show her what faith looks like. We pray for Brian and Becky and ask that you would give them grace as parents. To nurture her in the faith and to love her and to do all that they need to do to be the kind of parents who help her to know your grace and mercy and and love in her life. We pray for their whole family, for Derek and Tyler and for Morgan and Kelsey and Quinn. We pray that as older brothers and sisters, that they too would uh, so live for you that it would be just a natural attraction for Bella to do the same. Thank you for this little one. Thank you for bringing her to this family and to us as a church. And we pray your grace and blessing upon her every day as we dedicate her to you and ask this through Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. you great. Thank
0: you. Yeah. We'd like to invite our ushers forward as we give back to God from all that he's given to each of us.
2: Sometimes you win some Sometimes you lose some and Right now Right now I'm losing That I stood on this stage Night after night Reminding the broken It'll be alright Right now Oh, right now I just can't It's easy to sing When there's nothing to bring me down What will I say When I'm held to the flame Like I am right now I know you're See through the fire
1: Jackie Algier has been uh, connected to our congregation since uh, she came to Houghton as a freshman at the college six years ago. Uh, She was baptized here and uh, has uh, been involved in ministries in our church and has been connected to, I know, a number of you. And um, she has uh, spent the last two years working in uh, South America and in a variety of, of countries, particularly this last year. And she is preparing now to um, go out and serve again, to teach at a uh, school in a, uh, in a difficult part of the world. And uh, as she, she's here today, uh, the missions Committee has met with her and we are involved in her support. And uh, we wanted to take a few moments to pray for her today. So I'm going to ask Jackie to come and kneel here. She's also going to speak in Kaleidoscope class immediately following this service during Sunday School Hour in the gym. I'm going to ask Jackie to come and to kneel here, and those of you who would like, please come and gather around her, and we're going to offer prayer for her, as well as offer prayers for the other needs of our lives and our world. Father, we come today giving you thanks for the way you speak into our lives. And uh, we believe that you, you call us, you lead us to a wide variety of things, depending on our gifts and, and our abilities and just uh, your plans. We thank you for your calling upon Jackie's life. Thank you for the, uh, the gifts you've given her and for her heart for the world. And as she uh, prepares now to, to step out into this new venture, we pray, Lord, that you will prepare her and you will help her and you will give her all that she needs for what she faces in the future. We ask that you would, you would help her as she makes preparations, as she is uh, working to raise a support team and a prayer team And as she is preparing herself for this time, we ask, Father, that you would give grace to her, give wisdom to her, and help her as she uh, is in these next few months preparing. We pray that you would continue to work in her heart to, to make her ready for this event and this venture and this journey. And we ask that you would help her to know that she is loved by you, first of all, but also by the people of this church and by others as well. We pray that you would fill her heart with your grace and your mercy. And when she goes and the, and the times are wonderful, may she give you thanks. And when she goes and finds the times to be difficult, may she know that you are with her. May she remember this moment when we gathered around her and prayed for her. And moments like these. And may that be encouragement to her. And may that help her to continue to trust you in every moment. We pray, Father, that you would you would help the students that she teaches and the people she interacts with to know your grace and mercy upon them through her. And we ask, Father, that you will just fill her heart with a desire to know you, to follow you, to serve you, to do whatever you ask of her. And may you bless her in all that she does. Father, we thank you for... Your church around the world, and as Jackie's going to a difficult country of the world, we pray for our brothers and sisters in other places of the world who also face difficulties. We think especially today of the, the Christians in Qatar, and as, as they face uh, difficult circumstances, we ask, Father, that you would give them grace. During the month of Ramadan, when things may be even more tense, May they sense your spirit leading them, guiding them, protecting them, helping them in their witness. We pray, Father, for Kevin and Cindy Austin and Josiah as they continue their ministry in the Czech Republic. As they work on language uh, training, as they build relationships, as they continue to work with the various people in their lives in the church, may they know your strength and your wisdom and your grace to them. And Father, we pray for... Uh, not only the church around the world, but your people—just your people—you have created and love. We think of of the people in uh, who are refugees and the difficulties that they face, and we ask that you would bring healing and, and help to them. We pray for the people of Sri Lanka recovering from recent terrible flooding, and ask that you would help them to know your grace to them and that you would bring relief and help. And we pray, Father, for our nation and ask that you would bring. Help to the leaders of our nation. and There's a lot of turmoil right now. And we pray for your grace in the midst of difficult circumstances. And we thank you, Father, for your church closer to us. We pray today for the First Wesleyan Church in Bradford and Pastor Niver. Pour out your grace upon this body of believers and and upon her as she leads the congregation. May they know your blessings in everything that they do. And Father, we pray for our needs right around us here. We pray for people who come today who are grieving. We pray for those who come today who are struggling with health issues. We pray for those who are dealing with relationships that are not what we want them to be. For all of the, the issues we wrestle with, financial issues, the future, all these things, Lord, we place them in your hands and we ask for your grace as you alone can do. Thank you for hearing our prayers today, Father. We offer them in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Our scripture this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that a man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart, That as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. This is the word of the Lord. Children and um, children, maybe dismissed for children's church and junior church, (laughs) please stand and join us as we sing.
3: Morning by morning I wake up to find the power and comfort of God's hand and mine. Season by season I watch it.
0: be seated.
4: Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I suspect that many of you are familiar with the television show, Survivor. If you aren't, it's a reality series where a group of contestants are stranded in a remote location with little more than the clothes on their back. They must provide food, water, fire, and shelter while they face a variety of challenges and endure numerous hardships. At the end of the series... The One Lone Survivor Takes Home the Prize. I've never watched the show, but I've seen lots of ads for it. And I have to admit, I question the sanity of people who put themselves through this kind of torture, who are willing to live and survive in such desolate conditions, because most of us spend our lives trying to avoid these circumstances and places. But as much as we try, survival in desolate, wilderness-like places seems to be fairly common for people who are followers of God. Abraham, Elijah, David, even Jesus all spend time in the wilderness— but nobody in Scripture spends more time in the wilderness than the Israelites. Forty long years. Under the leadership of Moses, God delivers the Israelites from years of backbreaking slavery in Egypt. In order to get to the land that God has promised them, the Israelites must pass through the desert wilderness. But because of their lack of faith, Their fear and disobedience, what should be a 40-day journey, turns into 40 years of wandering in the hot, barren wilderness, leading them to think that maybe, just maybe, the bondage and slavery of Egypt wasn't all that bad. Like the Israelites and others, we too spend time In the wilderness, pastor and author Rob Renfro talks about wilderness experiences as something unpleasant to something totally unbearable. Wilderness experiences often involve deep suffering and sorrow, the loss of a loved one, a financial crisis, a health crisis, the breakdown of a relationship or some other painful experience in which we see no end in sight and we wonder, how can we make it through another day, leaving us to question, how did I get here? Sometimes we enter the wilderness by our own mistakes, sometimes by the actions of others, sometimes by the flow of life, or sometimes by God's purposeful plan for us. But in some ways, it doesn't really matter how we get to the wilderness. What matters is how we respond to our wilderness. Because ultimately, we leave the wilderness in one of two ways. We leave angry and bitter with a heart that's hard toward God and others, in a sense, taking the wilderness with us. Or we leave transformed, ready and open to receive all that God has for us. The decision is ours. Renfro boils it all down to one concern, one thought, one main idea. Don't waste your wilderness, don't go through all the pain without gaining anything from it. Don't waste your wilderness. But when everything's going wrong, when we're living with a sense of hopelessness and the pain is too much for us, when our most honest response to all of it is, where is the nearest exit? Just get me out of here. How do we not waste our wilderness? How do we guard our hearts and minds so that we come out of the wilderness with a renewed faith? I believe that Deuteronomy 8.2 gives us some insights into these questions. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. Moses begins in Deuteronomy 8-2 by telling us to remember. The command to remember is so vital to our wilderness journey. In fact, it's so important that Moses repeats this word over 40 times in the book of Deuteronomy. He says, remember from where and what you've come. Remember the experiences you've had. Remember who God has been to you. Remember what God has done for you. Remember, remember, remember. Moses understands our struggle to remember. I know that I need reminders. I often have to write things down in order to remember them. My guess is that this is true of most all of us. While forgetfulness is just a normal part of life, there's a deeper, far more serious issue that some of us struggle with, what some have named spiritual amnesia. Being a little forgetful is completely different to having amnesia. Amnesia refers to a large-scale loss of memories that may include major life milestones in our life, memorable events, key people in our lives, vital facts that we've been taught or told. Spiritual amnesia is forgetting God, what he's done for us, his love, his faithfulness, his promises we've read in Scripture. It happens to the Israelites. It happens to us. In fact, we can probably relate in some way to the person who, when asked, What is your greatest temptation? Answered, My greatest temptation is to forget God. No wonder Moses repeats again and again, Remember. When Scripture commands us to remember, It involves much more than the retention of facts and information. It's feelings, experiences, relationships, and attitudes. In our home, I have this small angel on a stand. This was a gift from a close friend prior to us moving here 21 years ago. On the base of the stand, my friend wrote, Remember me when this you see. Love, Kathleen, 1996. Whenever I see this angel, I do just that. I remember Kathleen. I don't think her intent was for me to remember her face, which I do, but rather it's to remember our friendship, all of the experiences that we had together, including how Wes and I had the privilege of leading Kathleen and her husband to Christ And then discipling them. I think of the times that we served in ministry and worked on projects together. I remember times of laughing together and of crying together. I think of how my faith grew as I witnessed Kathleen's faith grow. When I remember Kathleen, I picture her face, but so much more that evokes feelings of love and gratitude. When Moses tells us to remember God, he doesn't mean that we simply have a mental picture of God. Rather, we're to remember who God is, what he's done, how he's acted on our behalf again and again. And in remembering, we trust God more. Moses also tells the people to remember how God led them. God provided food and water for them daily. God miraculously prevented their clothes from wearing out and their feet from swelling during those 40 years. Think about that. I've had a pair of favorite shoes for about three or four years. I don't wear them every day, but I wear them quite a bit. You know the kind of shoe I'm talking about. They're comfortable, easy to slip on and off, But recently, I got caught in a rainstorm up in Buffalo. And my feet, my socks, everything were completely soaked. And it was then, at that point, that I discovered that I had holes in the soles of this favorite pair of shoes that I had worn just a few short years. So why, after 40 years... Did the Israelites' clothes not wear out and their feet not swell during all of their wandering? It's because of how God cared for their every need. Moses also tells the people in Deuteronomy 8-2 to remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness. All the way means during good times and successes, during hard times and adversity, and during the times that we simply don't understand. It's remembering that God is always with us. Our two-year-old granddaughter, Emma, is one of our great joys in life. Like all grandparents with their grandchildren, we cherish our time with her. But a few months ago, She started saying something to us that we find so fascinating. When we go to her home and walk in the door, as she runs to greet us, invariably, the first words out of her mouth are, Grandma, Grandpa, shoes off, shoes off. Or, if she's at our home with me and Wes comes home, she says to him, Grandpa, shoes off. But a few weeks ago, when Wes came home and she greeted him with, Grandpa, shoes off, something about those words struck me. In her young two-year-old mind, taking our shoes off somehow means that we're staying. This isn't a quick in-and-out visit. Shoes off means we'll sit and play with her, We'll talk with her. We'll just be fully present with her. I think there are times in the midst of our wilderness journey when we feel so very alone and overwhelmed that we begin to believe that God really isn't with us or that he seems to know or care about what's happening to us. So much so that we want to say to him, shoes off. But the truth that God wants us to know, the truth that can transform our wilderness journey, is that God doesn't ever have to take his shoes off because they're always off, because he is always fully present. With us, this truth is woven in and repeated throughout scripture in exodus thirty three four God tells Moses, "My presence will go with you psalm twenty one six speaks of the joy of god 's presence, and romans eight twenty eight and twenty nine says that nothing can separate us from the love of God, however God's presence with us doesn't mean that our wilderness just disappears or the things with which we're wrestling with are immediately resolved. But it does mean we're not alone. God is with us. He sees and knows our struggles. Because of his deep love for us, he has promised to never leave us. In the darkness and the pain of the wilderness, it's so easy to forget, which is why Moses calls us to remember. In order to not waste our wilderness, we have to remember. But we also must ask God what he wants to teach us and do in us through our wilderness time. This is why Moses not only speaks of God leading us and being with us, but that he does all of this in order to humble us. More often than not, we aren't able to receive what God wants to teach us or what he has for us until we come to a place of humility. I think that spiritual amnesia naturally leads to a lack of humility. When we believe that we're in control of our lives, we feel a sense of entitlement, forgetting that we owe everything to God. It's almost as if we forget that every good thing in our lives comes from God. But it's here in the desolate wilderness that it can be the perfect place for us to learn humility. Because it's here, in the midst of our pain and brokenness, that we finally come to the end of ourselves, admitting, I can't manage this on my own any longer. Lord, I desperately need you. The Israelites had to come to this humbling reality. They didn't free themselves from bondage in Egypt they couldn't take care of themselves in the wilderness, and they couldn't make it to the promised land without God. This was a hard lesson for them, as it often is for us. It's hard to admit, I am nothing without God. But until we come to God in humility, there will always be a part of us that thinks. If I can just get through this situation, this struggle, then I'll be okay. I can handle it from here. But the wilderness teaches us humility before God and others, not just for the moment of crisis, but as a way of life. It's a time to reshape our perspective about everything and every season, in the wilderness and out of it. As we're humbled throughout our wilderness journey, as we become more open to what God wants to teach us and do in us, we discover that God is also testing us in order to know what's in our hearts, if we'll trust him and obediently follow him. We see this in scripture that God tests people in order to reveal the depth of their commitment to him. Jeremiah 12.3 says, You see me and test my thoughts about you. First Chronicles 29.17 says, I know, my God, that you trust my heart, that you are pleased with integrity. God tests us to see if we'll trust him and obey his commands. This testing isn't just for his sake, but it's for ours as well, so that we'll know what's really in our hearts. Scripture tells us that our hearts can be deceptive. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. A little over a year ago, the Buffalo News carried a story entitled, Niagara Falls is going to go dry again. In the next year or two, they're looking to temporarily shut down the American Falls in order to replace two bridges that give access to Goat Island. This happened years ago in 1969 when the American Falls were slowed to a trickle to study the erosion and the breakdown and buildup of rocks at the base of the falls. This was a pretty amazing sight as people came from all over the world to see the falls shut down. The shutting down of the falls so they could see what's really there makes me think of how the wilderness exposes our hearts like nothing else can. The wilderness uncovers the erosion of sin in our lives, an unforgiving spirit, jealousy, believing that others have it better than we do, our real desire and motives, a lack of trust and faith in God. Just as scientists can't examine the effect of the falls while millions of gallons of water are pouring over the edge. Neither can we know the truth of our hearts until we are willing to let God show us what's really there. We don't waste our wilderness by allowing God to test us, to probe deep within us, to uncover who we are and where we are in our relationship with him. As we allow God to remove the deceit from our hearts, replacing it with his truth and love, we come to know him on a deeper level than we ever have before. We begin to experience a new connectedness, a closeness, an inner communion with him that transforms our barren, dark wilderness into a life-giving place because we've embraced the, the presence of God in our lives. So even as we continue living in the wilderness, we have an inner peace and grateful heart knowing we're no longer alone. We remember all that God has brought us through, all that he's provided, how he's always been faithful, and he always will be faithful, and that we can trust him. Several years ago, when one of our sons was in first grade, every once in a while in the morning before school, while making his lunch, I'd discover that I didn't have everything I needed to complete it. So I would tell him, I'll take you to school, then I'll go to the store, get what's needed, make your lunch, then I'll bring it to you. Even though I'd never failed or forgotten to do this, for some reason he worried that I would. I remember one day taking his lunch to him. Praying, Lord, please let him know how much I love him and that I will always care for him and his needs. When I entered his classroom, he looked up at me, his eyes still filled with some fear that I wasn't going to come. I gave him his lunch. And walked back out to the car thinking, I really wish he was filled with trust rather than with fear and apprehension. I don't remember God ever speaking to me audibly, but he has spoken to me in that still quiet voice many times. And as I got into the car that day, it was one of those times. He said to me, Cindy, if you as an earthly mother desire for your son to trust you and know how much you love him, how much more do you think that I, as your loving heavenly father, desire for you to trust me and know how much I love you? I sat in the car that day, deeply convicted, because it was true. I wasn't trusting God the way I should. I had failed to remember who God is, all that he had done for me, and that he was always with me. After all the trials and hardships the contestants experience on the television show Survivor, the one sole person left receives a million dollars. I wonder, after it's all said and done, does the winner believe it was worth it? My prayer for us is the same as Renfro's. That when we leave the wilderness, we'll be able to say, I wouldn't go through that again for a million dollars. But I wouldn't take all the money in the world for what I learned about walking with God. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way through the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you, to know what is in your heart, whether or not you will keep his commands. Father, in the midst of our wilderness, help us to remember that you are always with us right beside us, loving us, caring for us, and that we can always trust you. This we pray through Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Please stand and join us as we sing.
3: This
4: benediction may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you now and forevermore amen